The Falcons continue to beef up their defensive line. Eddie Goldman is coming back from retirement. They're visiting with Calais Campbell this week. But will it all culminate in the Falcons drafting Georgia's Jalen Carter in this year's draft? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM, managing your own football franchise, this is the game definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a one. 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all caps in the game store. And guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and check us out on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So today is a good day because we we got some good news. The Falcons reinstated defensive tackle Eddie Goldman from the reserve retired list. As you may recall, back in July, the Falcons signed Goldman to a one-year deal. And then less than two weeks later, he retired. And the Falcons put him on the reserve retired list. Well, apparently, Eddie's ready to come back and play football. And thus, he's going to be back on the Falcons roster. And so, as I understand it, his contract will toll, which means basically it's the equivalent as if the Falcons signed him to a one-year contract today, right? Now, we've been talking about this team's need to get a one-tech nose tackle, and that's exactly what Eddie Goldman can provide. So he fills that need. As you recall, back in July, I was a big fan of the Falcons bringing in Eddie Goldman. Unfortunately, those dreams, you know, uh, shriveled up and died 13 days later. But it was one of the few moves that I liked the Falcons made last offseason. Um, and, you know, the thing that Eddie Goldman brings to the table is he's a three-down nose tackle, right? The rare three-down nose tackle, the rare nose tackle that can provide some juice in the pass rush game as he did in Chicago for several years, where, of course, Ryan Pace had him. But he won't necessarily have to carry a heavy burden in terms of pass rush due to the presence of Grady Jarrett and David Onyemati here in Atlanta. And now with Taquan Graham as well, the Falcons are four deep at that D-tackle position. And seemingly have a you know a complete d tackle rotation with those four guys but that rotation might even get stronger because the falcons are expected to meet with calais campbell later this week according to nfl network campbell is an older veteran player but a potential hall of fame caliber player that was dominant for several years in arizona in jacksonville he'll turn 37 on september 1st later this year 
And he's still got something left in the tank. He's played pretty well for the Baltimore Ravens the last couple of years. Not again, not the dominant player that where he was one of the, the premier D tackles in the NFL, uh, like he was in, in Arizona and Jacksonville. But you know, he's coming off a season in Baltimore where he had five and a half sacks, 35 pressures. That's still very productive, much more productive than most 36 year old uh D linemen. Um, and again, the beauty of the idea of Calais Campbell coming to Atlanta is that deep rotation, right? Is that with four other players that he can rotate with, you're going to see a much well-rested Eddie Goldman. That's kind of the attractive thing that the Falcons can offer. Hey, you're not going to have to play, you know, 40, 50 snaps anymore. You might only have to play 20 or 30 snaps every single game uh, with this, uh, you know, deep deal tackle rotation. And with the Falcons, you know, playing these hybrid fronts, if they go to their three, four looks, you can line up Calais Campbell at one uh, end spot, you know, Taquan Graham at the other end spot, Eddie Goldman in the middle on rundowns in their base defense. And then on passing downs, you can, you know, pull those guys and put Anyamata and Grady Jarrett in the situation. And the Falcons can mix and match those combinations to their heart's content. You know, Campbell, uh, especially in Jacksonville, spent a lot of time playing on the edge out there on passing down, passing rush, pass rushing situations. You know, with that six foot eight frame, 36 inch arms, you know, he just bullies tackles. And you could see a situation where the Falcons kick him outside to edge to give them a big physical run defending defensive end. Um, like we saw, you know, Ryan Nielsen and the Saints have with guys like Cam Jordan and whatnot. And so, you know, if if the goal is to play with lighter boxes, which has been sort of the thing that we talked about with what we assume Ryan Nielsen's going to bring from New Orleans here to Atlanta as the Falcons' new defensive coordinator, you know, having Calais Campbell in your front means that you can play with lighter boxes because my man is is a giant human being that can just bully offensive linemen and has been doing that for 15 years in the NFL. So these moves get me excited, right? But I've been burned once before by Eddie Goldman, so I, I can't get as excited today as I was, say, on you know July 10th or July 6th or whenever he signed with the Falcons last summer. And, of course, I've been dreaming about you know, some alternate reality where Calais Campbell is an Atlanta Falcon for basically the better part of like what eight to 10 years now. And so it may finally come true, but I'm not going to necessarily get my hopes up uh, on today's episode. We'll just sort of have to wait and see if Calais Campbell signs. But certainly, you know, we're, 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 you know, you see the smile on my face. Clearly, I'm excited about this. And, you know, here on Lockdown Falcons, we don't like to promote terrorism, right? You know, we are anti-terrorists here on Lockdown Falcons. But, you know, I think a, a court of law could it actually convince somebody of an act of terror if, you know, say the day that Calais Campbell visits Flowery Branch, you know, a certain someone was to call in a bomb threat, right? You know, force, forcing everybody in that building, including Calais Campbell, to shelter in place. Uh, and that would just give the Falcons a little bit more time to, you know, hammer out a contract. Again, you don't call the bomb threat on, on the Falcons' buildings, right? Because then they would have to evacuate the buildings, and therefore you can't get a deal done. But you just do it on the surrounding buildings. You know, again, I haven't thought about, you know, calling in bomb threats on, on the Atlanta Falcons building or the adjacent buildings just because of the uh, heartache that they have caused me over the last 30 years. That's not something I, I fantasize about either. Uh, but, you know, just saying that theoretically someone could do that you know, later this week when Calais Campbell. And I, I don't know if they would go to jail. But again, we here on Lockdown Falcons do not support terrorists. We do not negotiate with terrorists. 
but you know, maybe we'll make an exception later this week. So guys, that's going to do it for us here on uh, that subject, but we'll talk, continue talking about D tackles that could find their way in Atlanta, which is going to lead us to revisiting the Jalen Carter conversation. And I'll give you a definitive answer on whether or not the Falcons will take him if he happens to fall to them at the eighth overall draft selection in this upcoming draft. But before we get there, guys, it is Sweet 16 time, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Uh, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, which means you get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is download the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line, point scores, uh, threes drained. You can do it for the NCAA tournament. You could do it for NBA action. You could do it for XFL action. If you want to put in some NFL prop NFL draft prop bets, you know, I'm looking at, you know, plus 1600, 16 to one odds over who's going to draft Anthony Richardson. I'm looking at the Raiders, 16 to one odds. I'll take that all day, right? 25 to one odds for Jameer Gibbs landing in Atlanta with the Falcons. I'll take that bet as well. So you find a way to make your no sweat first bet uh, up to $1,000 could be one of those bets or something else. And again, you'll get bonus bets back if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So let's talk about Jalen Carter, which we've talked about a couple of times here on the podcast. And I lie to you guys. I, I don't know if the Falcons are going to take him if he falls to to them at eight. I, I lied. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um. This conversation is sort of being revisited in part due to listening to a recent episode of Locked On NFL Draft Podcast with Keith Sanchez and um, Damian Parson. You know, of course, find it wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and elsewhere. Uh, and they were talking about, you know, Jalen Carter's potential draft stock falling. You know, this comes from Josh Kendall writing in The Athletic, who covers the Falcons, saying that the Falcons are likely to pass on him if he falls to eight. And so, again, if Jalen Carter does happen to fall to eight, will the Falcons take him? Again, no clue. My official answer is we'll find out on April 27th, right? And the reason why that's my answer is because, you know, I can wax poetic. I can spend you know, hours talking about Jalen Carter, the football player. I know little to nothing about Jalen Carter, the person. You know, all I know is based off of things I've read or heard or anything. You, you go and you read the the – AJC's big article where they conducted their own investigation of all the things that happened on January 15th uh, when Devon Willock, uh, former Georgia player, the late Georgia player, Chandler LaCroix died in a car accident while allegedly racing Carter through the streets of Georgia, uh, Athens, Georgia. And, you know, I, you know, again, that article is the, the only insights into the person, which is based off of the actions that Jalen Carter allegedly took those nights. Uh, his legal issues seem to be wrapped up. He pled no contest. He'll get probation, no jail time. Um, you know, that AJC article indicated that, you know, local authorities, you know, contemplated charging him with, you know, a felony charges, uh, for like vehicular manslaughter, uh, for his involvement in, in, in that night. Uh, but they opted against doing that. And what I will say about Jalen Carter, the person I am empathetic in, in some ways, uh, because he's had a tumultuous last couple of months, including what happened on January 15th. And, you know, I know if I was in his shoes, 
you know, knowing that I made some very poor decisions and it resulted in or contributed, let's say, in the deaths of other people, you know, people that I, I knew well, you know, that would absolutely destroy my mental health. And I'm certain, you know, we can speculate about how much that has affected his mental health. And maybe that's contributing to his poor physical health, or at least his alleged poor physical health during last week's pro day, where he was reportedly out of shape and, uh, you know, had gained weight and all those various things. So there's really nothing else I think I can add to the Jalen Carter conversation. You know, sitting here speculating about what the Falcons will or won't do in the draft is, you know, sort of above my pay grade. It's something I don't really know a ton about on what Terry Fontenot would do if presented with Jalen Carter being on the board at that time, right? I could sit here and tell you, hey, they'll absolutely take him. Um, but I'd be, you know, talking out my butt and I could sit here and tell you that they'll pass on him and I'd be talking about my butt. And that's not suggesting that, you know, Josh Kendall's talking out of his butt by, you know, making his statement on, on that subject. But, you know, I, I would sit here and say that, you know, if Jalen Carter is passed upon, by several other teams picking ahead of the Falcons, I think the Falcons would be just as likely to pass on him as any of those teams. So the idea that, you know, the Falcons are sort of unique and different than, you know, how other teams operate in this situation, uh, you know, I have no idea. So, um, you know, and it's just as likely that, you know, he could not get passed up by these teams and, you know, all the speculation about what would happen if Jalen Carter is on the board at eight, you know, becomes moot at that point in time. So again, I have no idea what's going to happen. And we'll find out April 27th. Again, that's my my official stance. So like basically what I do here on this podcast, guys, is, um, you know, I, I try to do the best to do my research and connect dots and, and do these various things, especially when it comes to the draft, because, again, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. We'll find out on April 27th. Right. So, like, you know, an example of the dot connecting that I can do is I can look at, OK, in 2021, the Falcons added a bunch of offensive linemen that offseason that had shorter arms. And then in 2022, they added a bunch of off offensive linemen that had longer arms. Uh, and so, therefore, if I connect those dots, OK, maybe I say the Falcons now value arm length when it comes to their offensive line evaluation. So in a world where the Falcons were to take a tackle at eight, you know, maybe they would be a little bit higher on Ohio State uh, offensive tackle Paris Johnson, Jr., who has 36 plus inch arms that rank in the 96th percentile among offensive linemen over say Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky, who's 32 and a quarter inch arms are in the fourth percentile for offensive linemen. And, you know, it's certainly possible despite the dot connecting that we might get the draft day and the Falcons, you know, would draft Peter Skaronsky because, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, maybe they're not looking for a tackle. Maybe they're looking for a guard. Maybe they project Skaronsky better at guard. Maybe they don't care as much about arm length if a guy is playing on the inside. Another example of this dot connecting, you know, both of the Falcons' first-round picks over the last two years in Kyle Pitts and Drake London were 20 years old on the day that the Falcons drafted him. Is that a coincidence? Maybe. I have no idea. All I can do is connect dots and, and speculate. And, you know, you look at, say, you know, the possibility of the Falcons taking a corner at eight. You know, Christian Gonzalez is 20 years, is going to be 20 years old, won't turn 21 until, I, I believe, May. Meanwhile, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, and Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, you know, Devon Witherspoon's going to be 22 on draft day. Is that going to influence which corner they prefer? I don't know, but I can connect dots and say, okay, well, they tend to like younger players, at least in round one. So who knows? So I will connect these dots. I will base things off of precedent. Uh, but ultimately, I, I do not know what's going to happen on draft night. So there's little else I can add to the Jalen Carter conversation. 
So we'll find out on April 27th if he falls, and we'll find out if the Falcons wind up taking him. And again, I can talk endlessly about the football player, but not so much about the person. That's definitely above my pay grade. Now, what I what I do do, what I do get paid to do, is to judge what the Falcons do, and we'll see what the Falcons do on April 27th. Now, I'm sure some of you may be looking at you know concerns about Jalen Carter's maturity and character, and you know if you wanted to you know build a narrative that you prefer to build over the next you know five plus weeks. Uh, you could do so by saying, okay, well, if, if you're worried about those issues with Jalen Carter, what better uh, locker room could he join than one that's already filled with Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, and possibly Calais Campbell that could certainly straighten him out really quick. So again, if you want to speculate that that makes sense, the Falcons are going after Calais Campbell so that they can get Jalen Carter in the draft, that is more, you, you know, you, that is your prerogative. Do how live your life however you want to live it. Don't let some random dude on a podcast tell you how to live your life. But again, other than just basically saying like, oh, that's a possibility, just like it's, you know, any other outcome is a possibility. That's all I can do here on the podcast. So we will leave that aside and catch you guys up on the, the most recent Falcons free agent news. Uh, and we learned exactly what role the team envisions for newly signed cornerback Mike Hughes and the Falcons could be looking to add to their offensive line in near near future due to the loss of offensive tackle Chuma Adoga. And we'll break that down as we continue today's episode. But today's episode is brought to you by the ultimate football GM. And you've talked heard me talk about this fun new mobile game. And as you guys watch the Falcons make their moves all week long, I'm sure you feel like you can make some more moves yourself. And that's why you should check out the Ultimate Football GM. I know recently in an offseason I conducted, I went out there and got, you know, went spending in free agency, got me a premier offensive tackle, got me a premier defensive tackle. Probably not on a level of Calais Campbell, but certainly a, an older veteran type of player that really could solidify my defensive line. And that's the beauty of Ultimate Football GM, because you handle every strategic aspect of your team from free agency, hiring coaches, making trades, uh, going through the draft and going through all the ups and downs in the season. It's a challenging and realistic game world, um, and you can play it completely for free. It's playable offline. Uh, and, you know, locked on listeners will get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code locked on in all caps. That's L O C K E D O N in all caps in the game store. So to download the game, just visit ultimate dash GM.com or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate dash GM.com ultimate football GM start your dynasty today. So let's catch up on the free agent news uh, in the last 24 hours. And I'm sure as has been usually the norm over this week you know maybe there will be some other breaking news as this episode is airing on youtube uh and so therefore there will be even more news to catch you guys up on tomorrow's episode but uh you know mike hughes wound up signing 15 minutes after i finished recording yesterday's episode officially signing um we did discuss you know his visit uh not the official signing on yesterday's episode we discussed sort of the value of mike hughes having that inside outside versatility being not only a guy that has experience playing outside corner but also uh, lots of experience playing in the slot as a nickel corner. And it seems like the Falcons value the latter, that nickel inside ability, uh, based off of the comments that Mike Hughes made to the media when he signed on Monday night, saying that they see him as more of a slot nickel guy. And that probably means that the Falcons have intend for him and D. Alford to compete for the vacant nickel cornerback spot 
uh, to fill the shoes of Isaiah Oliver, who wound up signing uh, just past week uh, with the 49ers. Uh, so, yes, they do clearly see him as an Isaiah Oliver, uh, potential Isaiah Oliver replacement. And the thing that we discussed on yesterday's episode that we reiterate for those of you that missed it is that when you look at least at the PFF grades, I haven't sat down and watched the film yet. I'll probably do that over the course of the next couple of days. But, you know, when Mike Hughes has been on the outside, he has graded out much better than he has when he's played in the nickel. Um, and, you know, you look at some of the other metrics, especially I went through and, and compared some of the other PFF's metrics uh, with Mike Hughes and Isaiah Oliver and D. Alford. Um, and, you know, I think most of those metrics indicated that Hughes is a downgrade from Oliver, at least based off of his, you know, slot versus slot snaps. Now, um, the PFF metrics would suggest that maybe Hughes is a better outside corner than Oliver was an outside corner uh, earlier in his career. So that will be something that would be interesting. But one area where I do think, you know, at least the PFF numbers suggest that, you know, Hughes may be an upgrade over Oliver is maybe in run support. That was something that Oliver you know, was pretty good at, you know, he missed a number of tackles uh, over the last couple of years, but generally you felt good about his contributions in run support. Hughes is also a seemingly much more reliable tackler. Um, although it's notable that, you know, the numbers suggest that he tends to miss more tackles when he's in the slot than he does when he's playing on the outside. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see the battle between him and uh, D. Alford, because I think based off of D. Alford's very limited body of work, where he was a part-time slot corner for the Falcons for most of the season, only really got extended action as their primary slot corner in one game. That was the week five game against the Bucks, And it was kind of a up and down performance. There was some very good D. Alford. And there was some questionable D. Alford in that game. Um, but one area I think is a concern for the Falcons with D. Alford potentially taking over as a full-time nickel cornerback is being... 175 pounds uh that may be an issue for the falcons when it comes to playing their nickel although while i think alford you know did an admirable job and plays bigger than his size would indicate when it comes to the run that may be something that the falcons are concerned with which would attract them to a player like hughes who's probably a little bit more of a reliable tackler and that's important because in the nickel you know it's important for those guys to have run support responsibilities because oftentimes in the nfl you know nickel means you're having playing with five defensive backs and that usually means that fifth defensive back that slot corner usually is replacing a linebacker from team's base defense right and so you're going to lose a little bit if you go from a 230 pound linebacker in this case um to um d alford 175 pound um cornerback not as big a drop off if you're going to a 210 205 pound uh isaiah oliver and then you know 195 pound mike hughes but you know that notion of taking advantage of teams running against teams that are in their nickel that was kind of you know the core strength of the sean McVay offense early in his time in los angeles where they would play these 11 personnel those three wide receiver sets on 90 per, over 90 percent of the snaps and the way that nfl defense is often deployed base versus nickel is in that versus 11 personnel versus multiple receivers they'll almost always deploy nickel stuff and sean McVay took advantage of that by just pounding it down their throat with todd Gurley in those years and then you have kyle shanahan who's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum who who plays a lot of 21 personnel with 
a fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, and, and a tight end on the field in George Kittle, and he's going to force you to play base defense with those personnel groupings, and then he's going to throw it on you. And, of course, the Atlanta Falcons style is basically let's go with run-heavy personnel and just continue to run the football, and especially now with Mac Hollins on the team. Uh, that will continue to be their strength. But, you know, I think there will be an ongoing conversation about that battle between Hughes and and Alford, I'm expecting at this point in time, Alford to win that battle just because, again, I think Alford gives you a lot more, has shown you a lot more promise uh, based off of his limited history in the NFL uh, as a nickel corner, as opposed to Hughes, who has just always been inconsistent uh, or unreliable based off of the PFF numbers. Again, I'll, I'll confirm that via film uh, later this week, but. We'll see how Hughes' contract is structured. It's reportedly a two-year deal. Haven't heard any terms on the exact money of it. Um, but my thought process on tr trying to figure out why the Falcons signed him to a two-year deal rather than the ubiquitous one-year contract is, I think, to have him as a potential option to replace Casey Hayward in 2024, right, at that outside cornerback spot assuming Casey Hayward is is no longer with the Falcons, which I think is probably a safe assumption. 2023 this year is uh, Casey Hayward's final year of his contract, and he's going to turn 34 in September. And so you could imagine, even if he does wind up playing really well, which Casey Hayward is seemingly ageless wonder, similar to uh, Calais Campbell, um, you know, you would imagine the Falcons will be looking to try to get younger at that position, regardless of how the season goes. And, and Hughes gives them at least one option, right. To be that starter in the event that they don't necessarily use one of their premium picks in this year's draft on that future starter at the cornerback position. That's certainly a possibility in round one. Um, and has been, you know, for me, I've said it many times on this podcast, you know, earlier this offseason that I thought that was a likely, hit. not on that, um, bandwagon at this point in time my best guess right now sitting here today is i think they'll probably be more inclined to go edge in round one and probably wait till day two to get uh another corner that can come in and be stashed behind casey hayward and uh whatnot but you know another possibility for what they could do on the second day of the draft would be taking an offensive tackle and, and that's where we'll leave the cornerback conversation to move to the chuma adoga conversation um i've consistently been mocking tackles to the Falcons, you know, in, in uh, rounds three, rounds four, round five uh, throughout this all season due to my belief that they need to uh, upgrade their swing tackle position. And that need only got more pressing because on Tuesday, uh, Chuma Adoga signed a one-year contract with the Dallas Cowboys. I was hoping that the Falcons would find a way to retain Chuma Adoga, who did play really well for the Falcons in one spot start uh, as an injury replacement at left guard. We didn't get to see him at, at tackle. But obviously from his time in New York playing both left and right tackle, uh, you know, it made sense for him to be their sort of in-house option to be that swing tackle in the event that the draft doesn't necessarily break the way that they would like it to. Again, that's always the thing about the draft is like you don't control, you know, who's going to be on the board uh, and when players are going to go. So you want to have as many questions answered going into the draft, at least in my opinion, uh, as possible so that you don't necessarily have to feel the need to be desperate and reach on players in the draft um, because of that. And I think that's what Chuma Dogan offered a guy that not only, you know, potentially assuming if he could play guard and tackle has, you know, four position versatility. So obviously the, the Cowboys are attracted to him 
just because of the, all the injuries they've dealt with, especially at the tackle position with, with Tyron Smith the last couple of years. So obviously it's a good signing for the, the Cowboys. Unfortunately, uh, the, the Falcons, you know, the Cowboys, you know, what's it? Uh, the Cowboys treasure, whatever. You you you, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, he benefits the Cowboys and it hurts the Falcons. That's basically what I'm trying to say. So um, we'll see what the Falcons do, you know, uh, We'll see if they get their swing tackle in the draft or do they bring in a veteran in the meantime, right? You know, I don't expect that to be Jermaine Effetti, although, you know, I think this increases the odds. I, I thought, you know, going into the offseason, there was like a 4% chance that they would resign Jermaine Effetti, largely due to I didn't think he was that effective last year. Um, you know, he only played eight snaps in, in 2022 for the Falcons, mostly as a blocking tight end. But he consistently struggled to execute his assignments, even in, in that limited role. And so it was just like, do you really want that guy? <laughs> you know, he's struggling uh, to to block guys on the edge as a tight end. Like, do you really feel great about him being your tackle? But now I guess those odds go from 4% to, let's say, 24%, maybe higher, uh, that the Falcons do bring him back just to have another option that's at least familiar to them. We'll see if they, you know, pursue other you know, veteran free agents out there. There are, there are certainly options that they could go out there and find another swing tackle that can come in, you know, for relatively cheap um, and, and sort of keep that spot warm until the draft. So we'll see if the Falcons do that. We'll see what other moves the Falcons make later this week. Um, tomorrow, we'll probably get into the DeAndre Hopkins rumors. Uh, you know, I feel like it's worthwhile to, to spend some time talking about that. Uh, we'll probably hopefully get into uh jesse bates a little bit further just because we we do have you know i did talk to jake lisco one of the co-hosts of locked on Bengals, about jesse bates and i was initially planning on you know airing that uh conversation today but then the eddie goldman and calais campbell news broke and i was like okay well <laughs> that trumps that so we'll just keep punting that <laughs> down the road until until we get into the day where the falcons are pretty chill and we can just do that but hopefully that's tomorrow if not then it'll be later in the week um, you know, eventually Jake, you know, that episode will air like April 8th and Jake will be like, ah, we talked about that like four months ago. Um, anyway, so that's what's in store for here on Locked on Falcons. Please continue to make us your first listen each and every day. And for your second listen, guys, check out the Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes podcast from free agency to the draft salary cap management. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day go check out a recent episode of locked on nfl draft scouting or locked on nfl scout i always want to call it locked on nfl draft scout locked on nfl scouting with the draft dudes they talked they broke down you know the possibilities of a jonah williams trade and it was an interesting conversation doesn't have anything to do with the falcons but you know if you want to be smarter about football kyle and, and joe will will definitely help you uh do that and talk about you know the pros and cons of, you know, the Bengals trading Jonah Williams. Does another team want to bring in Jonah Williams? What is his role? It's a great episode. Go check it out by uh, subscribing to Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcast. Really appreciate it, guys. Till then.